Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. <coughs> Don't worry, be happy. Some of you may remember this song. It was sung by, sung by Bobby McFerrin. It had been written for this terrible movie called Cocktails. So let me read some of the lyrics. In every life, we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. So don't worry, be happy. Ain't got no place to lay your head. Somebody came and took your bed. Don't worry, be happy. The landlord says your rent is late. He may have to litigate. Don't worry, be happy. Cause when you worry, your face will frown. And that will bring everybody down. So don't worry, be happy. It's a totally meaningless tune, at least in theological terms. However, I couldn't help but say to myself, I think my flock, and I'm talking about the LMCM flock, hums this song all the time. And it is their reality. And I also, I'm also sad to say it's the state of our nation. Don't worry, be happy. The government will take care of you. Over 3,000 years ago, King David wrote a song with a similar but fundamentally different message. It is Psalm 37, in which King David asks to trust in the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. And he wrote, King David, Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green earth. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Those were verses 1 through 4, and we go on with verse 8. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, it tends only to evil, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Fret not and rest in the Lord. Well, that sounds easy to say, and to wait patiently for him. But then, when chaos and anguish arrive in our lives, all bets are off. Is it possible then to rest in the Lord? Resting in the Lord does not depend on the external circumstances at all, but on our relationship with God. This relationship that God established with the gift of faith to us, where he declares us pure, justified, and holy, that relationship with us does not change each time we stumble in life. Because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, through the miracle of baptism, God graciously gives us an ongoing status of forgiveness. Our Lord Jesus Christ never worried. He was never anxious because he was not out to realize his own ideas. He was out to realize God's ideas. Have we ever entertained the idea or the thought that our circumstances are too much for God? Or do we think we can control our life situations without God? 
Instead, what we should do is deliberately tell God that we will not fret about that thing, whatever that thing may be. All our fret and worry are caused by calculating without God. Jesus continues this thought with today's text when he instructs us not to worry about our needs for tomorrow, but trust, but to trust God. He gave us this day our daily bread. And it's ironic. We ask for this every time we pray the Lord's Prayer. But then we doubt our prayers and begin worrying. So let's take a quick look at our lives, our own lives. Are we constantly anxious and fretting about many things, such as whether we have purchased enough insurance to cover everything in life, whether we will have enough money for retirement, or enough donations for running this church. God both expects and blesses good planning. However, God wants us to build our plans on Jesus' words. Do not be anxious for tomorrow, for, to for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Or trouble. These words of promise will enable us to say the words that Job said when he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As we all know too well, we'll continue to worry. It is our sinful nature. For instance, looking at myself, I often worry about my flock of people suffering from drug addictions. But I worry more so now than ever, after we had so many overdose deaths in our communities. I knew a number of these victims, and I have to admit, some of them I couldn't stand, and made no bones about it. Not very pastoral of me. I also had made the decision that some were beyond help. One way of looking at this is to say that God did not lead me to them. Sounds like a good excuse. As much as I worry about my flock, though, I do not feel guilty about turning people away. But we are not perfect. There was only one that was perfect, and that's Jesus Christ. And in him we can find forgiveness for our struggle with constantly worrying about or feeling guilty about a missed opportunity. Every week I feel anxious about, about getting to some discernment on, like this one. And this past week was no different. It just so happened that I drove back from Denver this past, past Friday after I had a doctor's appointment at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And by the way, I was not living up to the spirit of the sermon. I was in the middle that I was in the middle of writing. Despite my prayers, I was still anxious about the appointment. But God is good, and I'm in good health. So while driving down from Denver, I noticed fall was in the air. The meadows all had turned yellow. The sagebrush was, sagebrush was blooming, and a clear, a clear sign of winter to come. I even saw some snowflakes over Kenosha Pass. And my thoughts then started to focus on part of the text before us today. Jesus tells us, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? I hardly saw any birds along the way except for a hawk here or there, but I got the picture. In the spring, the birds will return, and after the snow melts, the meadows will come alive again. The Lord provides. Martin Luther, in his usual strange talk, chides us and says, You see, God is making the birds our schoolmasters and teachers. It is a great and abiding disgrace to us that in the gospel a helpless sparrow should become a theologian and a preacher. Our Lord God takes care of wild birds and wildflowers. Won't he care for sinners who repent and then seek the kingdom of God? Paul says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously, graciously give us all things? Paul also wrote in his first letter to Timothy, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. But we have food, but if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Jesus tells us to seek first the kingdom of God. John the Baptist and Jesus both came saying, Repent for the kingdom of God is here, which also means, means confess your sins and trust in the forgiveness of sins. So let us confess all our worries to the Lord and then hear him say, Come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He reminds us that we can only serve one master. We cannot serve both God and money. By the way, this is a true violation of the first commandment, and you shall have no other gods. God is the true triune saving God. Money is the God of temporal things, like food, clothing, and other things. We cannot serve two masters at the same time. Our sinfulness continues to enslave us to the wrong masters, though. So let me go back in history and think about slavery for a minute. How did black slaves, who were not just enslaved to sin, but also men, how did they overcome? Well, they viewed religion not just as another activity in life, but as the place where those enslaved both by men and by the power of sin, will receive cleansing, healing, nourishment, strength, and hope. To the best of their ability, they sought strength in God's living word, primarily in their weekend religious celebrations. As a result of hearing and meditating on Jeremiah 8.22, is there no bomb in Gilead, is there no position here or there, the slaves, by the power of the Holy Spirit, responded. Their response was articulated in a hymn that the answer of the suffering slaves has become a very popular hymn titled There is a Bomb in Gilead. It's LSB number 749. So let me read the words to you. There is a bomb in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a bomb in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged, think my work's in vain. But then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. If you cannot preach like Peter, if you cannot pray like Paul, you can tell the love of Jesus and say he died for all. Don't ever feel discouraged, for Jesus is your friend. And if you lack for knowledge, he will never refuse to lend. So, let this be a new day. As we sing hymns, 
May God's Spirit help us see in His Word His divine medicine which overcomes and subdues the power of sin within us. Jesus is our true rest. He gives us rest right here every Sunday in the divine service. That rest comes through the forgiveness, life, and salvation through His divine means, which are our word and sacrament. And in them we rest. And when we have forgiveness, life, and salvation, we can be confident and assured with no need to worry. God provides the riches of His grace, and we know He will take care of everything else. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all our